In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WABA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life Changing Talk Radio, 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm director of ministry for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Folks, listen to the Word of God as we start our program today, and it says this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will bear a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Well, guess what? My favorite time of the year. Our guest today brings a Christmas message of three Christmas time teachers that you may not have thought about before. And we want to talk about that. And of course, here to get us started, introduce our guest for the day, my good friend, my buddy, my co host of Good News for the City, Pastor Brian Bale, Senior Pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. God bless you, man. Good to see you, friend. Good to see you. And Merry Christmas to you, Dennis. And Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to our brother. listeners on Thank this you. weekend. Um, that focuses on the birth of Jesus Christ. But the truth is, every day is worth focusing on Jesus Christ. And Amen. I love the Amen. person we have in here to guide us today. When I say love, I'm just not saying that because I'm technically required to say that because the Bible says to love everybody. But I do. Amen. I love this man. He's my friend. Yes, yes. Uh, he's a good doctor, Randy Haynes. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about him. He's a native son of Greenville, Mississippi. He moved to Boston. Don't hold that against him. He does like the Boston sports <laughs> team. But he moved to Boston early in his life where his father pastored the historic 12th Baptist Church of Boston. Dr. Haynes' pastoral ministry spans four decades and has included ministries from youth to adults, choir, music, and biblical education. Before full-time ministry, Pastor Haynes had a distinguished career as a criminal justice official, which included an appointment as chief of probation for the Massachusetts Trial Court. For 33 years, Pastor Haynes has been married to a dynamic woman of God, Lisa J. Haynes, and they are parents of eight adult children, and they have a growing tribe of grandchildren. And this part is just me and me alone. He is, to me, my favorite preacher that a lot of people don't know. A lot of people listen to WAVA and hear Dr. Tony Evans, and he's an amazing communicator. I'd like to tell you Dr. Randy Haynes every much is that man. And I also like to tell you he hates it when I compliment him in public. So we're going to do that anyway, <laughs> but it is true. So, Randy, let's just talk about Jesus, can we? You yes, know, Absolutely. On Christmas Day, we celebrate the birth of our Savior. 
But Christmas and that miracle of our Savior happens every day of our lives. And so we're going to talk about the story. And you have this interesting take that there are at least three teachers in this story of Christmas. Talk to us a little bit about that first teacher in the story, if you could. Well, Brian, you know, I like this old uh, notion that there are some truths that are taught, but there are other truths that are caught. Mm. And and it seems to me that in this text, there are some nuggets of truth here uh, that not directly taught, but in my view, they are caught. Uh, And so I want to suggest there are at least three. And this first one that I want to speak about, although mysterious, it's the silence of God. I want to suggest that this text Mm. suggests uh, that the silence of God is a teacher here. And Mm. again, although mysterious, the silence of God is one of the most in my view, formidable and dynamic teaching tools of God. And so, for instance, Brian, we love the affirmative yes voice of God, those of us who are believers. Uh, yes, yes we to do. a better job. Uh, yes to a new house. Yes to success on my final exams. Yes to a new car because that 1971 Pinto is cramping my, my style. And although not as immediately affirmative as yes, I want to suggest that we even manage to adjust to God's weight. Uh, In fact, even God's no, although often unpleasant, is Mm -hmm. an answer. And yes, some of us even grow to understand eventually that God's no is in fact just as loving as his yes. But Brian, it's that silence thing. It's his silence that often unnerves us the most, I think. It's often incredibly difficult for us to live uh, with the thorny silence of God. And then when that silence is broken, oftentimes we're spiritually uh, flat-footed and thrown off balance by what uh, the great Howie Levin calls a holy disruption. And I think Howie's right. Uh, Oftentimes when God breaks the silence, it's with a holy disruption. And so in this text that was read by Dennis, when the angel uh, Gabriel appeared, and of course he first appeared uh, to John's dad, John the Bap- uh, J- uh, John's dad, uh, Zacharias, and then approximately in this text, six months later to Mary and then Joseph, his appearance was a holy disruption uh, yes. to what had been an unprecedented period of silence in the faith community. Think about that, some 400 years had gone by between what we typically identify as the close of the Old Testament and the opening of the New Testament. Oftentimes it's referred to as the intertestamental period or 400 silent years. 400 years since the voice of God had been heard through a prophet or an angel. 400 years of community and individual contemplation, 400 years of consternation, 400 years of testing for the people of God, 400 years of stress. In our modern era of constant sound and movement, there is much to be considered, I think, Brian, with regard to the value and meaning of God's silence and also being prepared for a holy disruption of the silence. Now let's talk about that. I think when we use the term silent, we're all familiar with the term silent treatment. Uh, and that's rarely, if ever, in my experience, used as a good thing. Yet, what you're proposing here is that the silent treatment here is something that can be good because it can teach us 
to learn from it and to hear what God is telling us. So how can we learn and to use the silence and to hear from the silence to hear what God is telling us uh, in a way that, you know, can God can situate our pathways, can still be trusted, all of those things for the people right now who may find themselves in the midst of their own, midst of their own personal silent period. Yeah, yeah, that's really important. Uh, let me just identify just a few. Um, uh, let me first suggest that silence can sometimes signal uh, God's displeasure uh, regarding what's going on in our lives. That would be one example. Maybe King Saul knew something about that after he disobeyed God and the presence of God was withdrawn uh, from his leadership of the nation. Uh, silence can then sometimes mean that God is using the silence to speak because in some instances, uh, God knows that his silence is actually uh, what will get our attention the quickest. I think here about uh, the psalmist in Psalm 40, when, when he indicates that there apparently was some period of silence because the psalmist in Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Mm -hmm. He knows how long he waited. And then the psalmist goes on to say, and then he heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit and set my feet upon a rock to stay. I think of, of what the psalmist said in Psalm uh, 30 when he says, uh, weeping may endure for a night. And I always pause right there, Brian, because it's unclear to me how long the night lasts. Sometimes yeah. a night is a night. Sometimes a night is weeks. Sometimes a night goes on for months. Sometimes the night in our lives goes on for years. And so the psalmist says, weeping may endure for a night, but then he comes with the blessed assurance, but joy uh, comes in the morning. And then uh, I think the third example that I would give about uh, how, how silence can be used in our lives is that sometimes God uses silence as a necessary bridge to the escalation of revelation. Okay. That is to say, silence is not overtly pronounced in this Christmas story text, but nevertheless, Brian, I would contend that it's there. Uh, both as a contextual prelude to the story, and then it's woven between the nights and the days and the drama that follow, because there is yet much that is clearly not understood. And so I, I, from my own viewpoint, I believe that, that we catch hints of how to manage our uh, discomfort with the silence of God. And so I like what Paul says in Galatians uh, 4.4, when he says, in the fullness of time, I love that. I love that language. Yeah. In the fullness of time, Paul says, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now, don't miss the two, at least two factors uh, at play in that text. First, I would suggest <clears throat> at play in that text is this, that time um, and its impactful dimensions start and in with God. The text says, in the fullness of time, God. And then secondly, I want to suggest that, that God's son was born of a woman. And so we see in this instance in that Galatians 4.4 text that God can, God can give us, Brian, the high privilege of participating in what he's up to in time. And man, that mm -hmm. blows my mind. So yes, yeah. God broke his silence. And I think this is important. I want to throw this in. When God broke his silence, Mary 
was living in a way that positioned her to participate in the break in the yeah. silence and retrospectively understand that God's long silence did not at all translate into God's abandonment of his sure. people. Man, I love that thing. That is good. Now, now let's use Mary because we're there and let's kind of make our way because I think a lot of people may not think about silence as a teacher, but and, but think of the story and think of Mary. And that is your second person in this. It teaches us. In fact, one of the things you say is that uh, for her, obedience is the acid test of our faith. Um, how does Mary model obedience in this journey? I think you've already sort of alluded to it some way, but you say she's faithful in what she doesn't know. Expand on that a little bit. So, so, so Mary uh, models this in, in any number of ways. And, and, and I think Mary teaches us um, at least, uh, at least uh, a couple of things here. In this Christmas story, Mary teaches us, I want to suggest, at least two critical truths. And I love, by the way, that her intention, Brian, I think it's clear that her intention is not to teach. She's just simply being a woman of God who mm. is in love with God. And, and, and I love that. I love that. And so with regard to Mary being a teacher, uh, one, I want to suggest uh, that she teaches us this. Um, be obedient and faithful in the routine and unremarkable obligations of life because oftentimes the remarkable presence and purpose of God stands behind the unremarkable routines in life. Mm. You mentioned that, uh, that old saying that obedience is the acid uh, test of our faith. Uh, and so I think that's really important. And so let me just get into some specifics here. Arguably, Mary uh, Brian didn't fully know that the baby who was crawling at her feet, she herself would someday worship at his feet. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, she most assuredly lovingly made her way to the floor time and time again to joyfully connect with the baby Jesus. Just in the ordinary things of life as a, as a parent, as a mother, as a woman, Mary didn't fully know that she was forgiving this child for spilling his milk, but someday he'd forgive her for her sins. Yeah. Nevertheless, she most assuredly allowed space for his humanity. Mary didn't fully know that this was God incarnate, who she was lovingly tucking into bed at night, but nevertheless, her motherly hand must have been uh, comforting the child who was in fact the Christ. Mary didn't know that when she bowed in prayer with her son, she was in effect praying to the one she was praying with. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Nevertheless, mm. she assuredly prayed fervently with the child. Mary didn't know, Brian, that it was God, that it was God, the son, who was sitting at her kitchen table, sitting on hot tomato soup. Nevertheless, she steadfastly fulfilled her motherly duty of care and provision. We learn from Mary to be obedient even when we don't know all that we would want to know, even in the ordinary things of God. I like to, I like to, I like to, to bring back to mind something that my 
my late grandmother, Edna Haynes, used to always say, she used to always say, I'll trust them even when I can't trace them. I love that reminder that, that Mary is faithful in what she didn't know. And I, I think, you know, it, you know, a lot of times we can miss the weight of what was on Mary lost in the story because we know the end of the story. And when you know the end of the story, it's a lot easier to think that the middle of the story and what is unknown can be handled with grace. But yet all of the things that people thought about her and would have looked towards her, those, those are big things. This wasn't an easy road for her. But even the other person in the story, the third teacher, it wasn't an easy road for him. You know, what can we learn about Joseph in this story? Well, I would suggest at least two vital behaviors uh, from Joseph uh, come to mind. First, he teaches us um, to embrace the God of, of three dimensions. Mm. Thinking about the omnipresence of God and how significant that is. We learn through Joseph that God moves through space and time to secure what will be. I'm talking about our future. Man, I'm telling you, that excites me. Just the simple reality that God is big enough, that he's, that he's omnipresent, that he's omnipotent enough, that he can arrive in my tomorrow before I even get there yeah. handle things on my behalf. Man, I'm telling you, that thing makes me happy. Uh, uh, that God dwells. Joseph teaches us that God dwells in our present to bring about what is that is to say that there is nothing that is going to happen to me today that is outside of the sovereignty of God, whether it's by his decreto will or by his permissive will. And uh, lastly, that he abides, that it is God abides in our past to escort purpose uh, to what was. Here we are in the 21st century, Brian, and we're still looking to the past, still looking at Joseph's past uh, to see purpose that was played out in the past. But in addition to that, I want to suggest that Joseph also teaches us uh, that we ought to put our hands up. And, and, and I love that little expression. Just put your hands up. Yeah. And I want you to notice in the text, Brian, that he, he put his hands up and he yielded to the unfamiliar for him at that moment in time. It was the angelic visitation. He put his hands up and gave up his normal right as a man to name the child. He put his hands up and, and married a woman who was pregnant, even though he had never had the pleasure of touching her. He put his hands up, Brian, and didn't touch her. If you watch, look at the text closely, that he didn't touch her even after the marriage as the pregnancy continued. This wonderful God who took on human flesh, the incarnation, and emptied himself, the kenosis, yeah. He wants both, I think, Brian, to rule and abide in our hearts on this Christmas day. And, you know, I'm Randy, I'm just so grateful that, that you're extracting for us some of the deeper riches, I think, from the Christmas message that for many of us who have heard this story growing up, maybe in a Christian home or around faith or coming to, to church uh, on Easter or Christmas or the big holidays, we've heard of this before, but um, Thank you for going deeper with it for us. But I also want to know and recognize that today there could be people listening um, who this Jesus thing is kind of new for them. I mean, they know in general the Christmas story, maybe not the specifics, but they don't really know Jesus as a savior. Um, Jesus came for a purpose. How would you share the most important message with them about Jesus' purpose in coming and what it means to them? Well, I would, I would, I would say to the 
uh, to the person who has not yet accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I would say to them that Christmas matters because it's, it's a wonderful time for people who've not come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ to encounter anew the truth that God so loved the world mm. that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes, and I would underscore, Brian, that word, whosoever, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've wrestled with, doesn't matter what others have said about you, doesn't matter who has rejected you, whosoever believes in him will not perish, that John 3.16 says, yes. but have everlasting life. Now, now, Brian, I want to emphasize that, that, that oftentimes we think about the everlasting life portion of that, but I just want to simply underscore that coming into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ uh, gives us both abundant life in the here and now, as well as life eternal with God. It's not complicated. Paul said yeah. in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. It's simple. It's amazingly simple. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart, that God raised him, him as Jesus from the dead. The Holy Scriptures tells us in that instance, we will be saved. Yeah, and I love that reminder. This just laying out of the good news. That's what this show is called. Good news for the city, the gospel. And the greatest good news is that Jesus makes a way for us to have a relationship back with God. And you made that point so clear. Whosoever, whosoever means anybody. And that means no matter our past and this idea that so many of us uh, can think about that we're beyond redemption, that Jesus can reach us. Just, just so um, not true. It's, it's something that you've driven home. And so in this last minute or so, Randy, if you would, at the beginning of the show, we talked about how the Christmas message matters every day of the year. Could you encourage our listeners to, to make this not just be this weekend, to live in light of, of the Christmas message? How can they live all parts of their life every day in light of the good news? Well, you know, um, I would say lean in and think about it. Um, God, who is deeply offended by sin, offers us a bridge back to him in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, who was the only one, Brian, the only one who qualified to be a sacrifice for human sin. Man, that's yeah. amazing love. Amazing love that we offend him, yet he bridges the possibility, the availability of eternal life, even though we were the ones who offended him. So yeah. although he meets us, Brian, wherever we are, it's also wonderfully true that God never leaves a man or woman, boy or girl, where he finds him. And so if you already know Jesus in the pot and if you sin, I want to say that Christmas matters because pulling to the side of the busy highway of life for affirmation and celebration of the demonstration of God's amazing love seen in the un incarnation of his son is a glorious reminder that Jesus was born, that Jesus lived a sinful life, that he died a sacrificial death, that he ascended to the father and that he advocates for you and me. And that someday, Brian, he'll return to this valley of tears with all power in his hand and he will, and will live eternally in the presence of God. Honor the Lord in how we walk. We Amen. reach for the lost 
and we are to grow disciples both in word and in deed. And to that, I think we can all say amen. Randy, thanks for our friendship. Thanks for your word today. And Dennis, just a reminder, the good news is good news every day. Every day. Man, this was just so fantastic. By the way, Randy, I just want you to know, man, I was so taken and listening so hard to what you said. I lost track of time. I almost messed up and got us too far. But you did such a great job and God was using you in such a powerful way. Folks, you got to hear this again, man, not just at Christmas, but listen to this again at goodnewsforthecity.com. If you need any more information, you can always call me at the station, 703-807-2266. Randy, God bless you, brother. Thank you so much. Folks, we'll see you again next week. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.